Hello and what's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the ATS Fanatics Podcast. Glad to be back here recording for you guys. This is the long-awaited NFL Super Bowl edition of the podcast. So excited for this game. I had Nicola LaPena back on for a long conversation where we recapped our games and picks from last week. Great week for Nicola. Not so much for me, unfortunately, but just wanted to point out this podcast was recorded on Friday evening, and since then there's been some blockbuster news. A massive trade has gone down in the NFL. Matthew Stafford is now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams sent Jared Goff two first-round picks and a third-round pick to Detroit in this blockbuster deal. So before we get into this podcast, I want to discuss this trade a little bit for you guys. This is a massive, massive trade in my opinion. So happy for Matt Stafford here. I mean, he's gone quite some time without playing for a good defense. It's literally haltered him throughout his career. So it's going to be really great to see him finally play for not just a good defense, the number one defense in the NFL. Stafford departs the Lions as a leader in completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and QB win, but unfortunately has not won a single playoff game in his 12 years as the Lions quarterback. A lot of that to me is because of the defense he's played for. So this is huge. Um, This immediately to me makes the Rams a serious Super Bowl contender. And I'm definitely haven't been able to see the odds yet, but I'm definitely going to put some money not only on the Rams to advance the Super Bowl out of the NFC, but to potentially win the Super Bowl if the money is right, obviously. Now talking from the Lions standpoint, another deal that I love for them, I mean, clearly it wasn't working out with Matt Stafford. Clearly you're in a rebuilding mode. You're setting your quarterback free. You are taking on a tough contract, but Goff still has some potential. He's a young quarterback who's proven he can win games when the right situation is around him. You're getting two first round picks. You're getting a third round pick. And I can't complain about this for the Lions. To me, the biggest loser here is Jared Goff. It's tough. He leaves his fantastic market where the system was set up quite good for him. It's hard to know how successful he'll be. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And the Lions could potentially just dump him this year after he if they choose, as he has no more guaranteed money on his contract. I mean, we obviously wish the best for Jared Goff, but in terms of both teams here, this is a win-win deal. It's tough. The Rams that will now go without a first-round pick from 2017 to 2023, that is seven consecutive years without making a first-round pick. If this does not work out for them, then it's going to be tough to look back on this trade and some of the other moves they've made. But As I said, I truly believe that they will make it back to the Super Bowl because of this trade and potentially win it. Super excited for this. We talked about the Deshaun Watson trade later in the podcast, but I do want to mention this totally changes the landscape. If they were able to get this much for a guy like Matt Stafford, I can only imagine what type of haul Houston will be looking for for Deshaun Watson. You have to be looking at a potential solid top quarterback and maybe four first round picks and even more second round picks like you're gonna have to give up a lot if you want a guy like Deshaun Watson if Matt Stafford is drawing in that type of value here anyways let's get right into our call with Nicola hope you guys enjoy okay so we are back here with another episode of the ATS Fanatics back with our NFL analyst Nicola LaPena I know you must be feeling pretty good today after your 2-0 weekend against the spread I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me. 2-0 against the spread, and uh, I mean, I don't think you have a chance to beat me. There's only one game left. (laughs) 
you know what? I had a great wild card weekend. And then after that, it's been all downhill for me. I don't know what's going on with my predictions recently. Like last week was just a mess. I'm more upset about my bills, obviously. But, you know, I had a depressing couple of days, recorded some more NBA material earlier this week. And I'm really happy to be back recording this podcast. So lots of optimis- optimism for next season. So, you know. Gotta gotta take the the positives of a historic season. First time winning the division in 25 years. Got some playoff wins, so it can only go up from here in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's get into the first game. It was the Packers versus the Bucks. You had the Buccaneers at plus three. I laughed at you quite a bit about that pick and said I was going to take the Packers at minus six and a half. Ended up taking them at minus three, but I mean, what are your thoughts on this game? So it was really simple in my eyes because, yes, on paper, the Packers are a much better team. And it was at Lambeau Field, which was looking at around uh, zero uh, and snow showers. So, you know, all the money was on the Packers. The intangibles of Tom Brady, though, I mean, it was too good to pass up because you have Tom Brady on the one side and Aaron Rodgers on the other, who has routinely come up short in big games, specifically big NFC championship games, where he's now one and four. Listen, Brady did the best thing that I think uh, he could have done, which was start hot. And they got out to that hot start. Aaron Rodgers is not the same QB when he's playing from behind. He's got the spunk. He's got the character. He plays well when the run game for Green Bay is on fire and he's just, and, and he's able to get out to a lead. Um, you know, like they did against the Rams with the Devontae Adams touchdown. Um, he's not the same guy coming from behind. I don't think he's the same leader Brady is. And now there's real questions about Aaron Rodgers because he went on uh, he went on radio and said his future's uncertain. So it, it tells me all I needed to know. Tom Brady's a winner. He's a leader. The Bucks went in and did what they needed to do. And they're going to be hosting the Super Bowl next week. It absolutely disgusts me once again to hear all this Tom Brady praise. I mean, Tom Brady owes a great deal to his defense for winning him another football game. It's been too common for him in the past. Bucks started off the game great. That seven, that seven nothing start. The first drive was really what got me going. That scared me immediately. You know, that's how you want to start the game. First half, Brady was on fire, honestly, 13 for 21, 202 yards. But his defense came up clutch for him. Their five sacks really was the difference in this game in my eyes. The tied for the most in a playoff game in Bucks history. Packers were only able to sack Tom Brady once. And we know when you give Tom Brady time, he's going to get enough done. And I am not going to sit here and tell you that Tom Brady had a great game because he did not. He threw the ball for 55%, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Like, let's be real. Well, let me jump in here. So, agree with the 55%. um, You know, he could have been a bit more accurate. But let me me talk about the turnovers here because those three picks are what everyone wants to hang their hat on. You know, I hear you. Three picks is not good. But notice how those picks came to be. It was extreme pressure from the Green Bay defense. And when he knew he was in trouble, he threw it all the way downfield. So those picks 
ended up being similar to punts versus Aaron Rodgers when he when he when he when any pressure was against him he folded in the pocket they lost the clock obviously and he got sacked and it just totally destroyed momentum versus Brady hucking it downfield and an interception you know by by the Green Bay corner whoever it was on all three times you know being inside their own 20 i mean to me these interceptions are just negative stats i don't think watching the game and passing the eye test that Brady really had, you know, was off. I thought he played pretty well and he had a spectacular first half. Well, I, I mean, you got to mention that one interception that he threw to Mike Evans. That was just absolutely, I I can't even explain that. (laughs) He overthrew Mike Evans once, but the double coverage. Sure. I mean, you know, he had, he had a pick, but I don't, I don't think three picks that everyone's hanging their hat on. Um, is really accurate when you're looking at the momentum swings in the game and how it, how it went down. I just don't see it in that way. I, I see Tom Brady gave the Packers every opportunity to win this game. And and I got to put some blame on Rogers as much as I wouldn't like to. And I want to give him his respect for this season. It was a historic season for him. And it, it pains me to, to, to hark on him a little bit, but he didn't get it done and say what you will. Um, Matt LaFleur is not a great coach in my eyes and he proved it. He, it was like too conservative that, that play call on the third down, you can argue that Aaron Rodgers could have ran for a touchdown on that third down. It was a horrible pass. He's lucky it didn't get picked. Um, but you have to go for it on that fourth down. Like what was the thinking there? I understand you needed a two point conversion, but that just made no sense to me. And it's the same thing that I said about the bills. And we'll get into that later. You're not going to win games in this level at this stage of the playoffs playing like that playing scared and conservatively it's not how you win playoff games and it just made zero sense to me at all Rodgers, i think could have gotten that done on on fourth down and it's not a sure thing but you got to go out swinging they didn't even get the ball back in aaron Rodgers' hand and let's get to the refs here the refs in this game were terrible and i hate to bring that card out and it wasn't just for the packers it was all around but the inconsistencies like how are you going to call that pass interference late in the game but not call anything similar throughout the game there were barely any calls the inconsistencies were crazy so the refs need to be held accountable for the horrible job they had um aaron Rodgers didn't really have a bad game in my eyes he completed 69 percent of his passes 346 yards three touchdowns his offensive line failed him and late in the game he had to do better so like i am gonna gonna give get down on him on that for a bit but can I can I jump in quickly? Yeah, of course. I just want to say because you're proving what I think is my point here. The numbers aren't telling the whole story. If you look at the numbers, Rogers played better. And actually, if you look at the majority of the game, I would also agree Rogers probably yeah. played better. But when the game was on the line at the end of the fourth quarter, Brady was the one who, while still struggling in the second half, I'm with you. He went down the field and got points. And Rogers on the other side did the opposite. You know, he, he, he crumbled under pressure and, you know, I think that that kind of demonstrates the dichotomy between the numbers on the stat sheet and the eye tester in the game and the, 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 the winning intangibles from Tom Brady. Can't argue with Tom Brady's winning intelligibles, but uh, intangibles, intelligibles. 
<laughs> my bad. Um, but can I go into some stats? And I hate to be this guy again. And I always feel like I have to be this guy. And a lot of people come at me for being a hater. And I do this a lot on this podcast and in general. But somebody's got to say it. Tom Brady is the most overrated quarterback in NFL history. Tom Brady is not a top five quarterback based on skills. He is obviously considered number one and fine. I can't argue it. But if you put Aaron Rodgers on the teams that Tom Brady was on, if you put Drew Brees on the teams Tom Brady was on, if you put Peyton Manning on the teams Tom Brady was on, from a skill set standpoint, all three of those guys are better quarterbacks than Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, his defenses have allowed the most points per game of any starting quarterback since 1950, 26.6 points per game. And let's talk more about Brady here. Quarterbacks with three plus interceptions in conference championship games are seven and 23. Tom Brady is now two and zero in such games. Tom Brady won his eighth career playoff game with a sub 75 passer rating. Nobody else in NFL history has more than four. He has never had, uh, he had no completion percentage over 55 in any playoff game this season. His career completion in the playoffs is 62.5%, 38 career interceptions and 44 playoff games. In his career, Josh Allen this season had a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady has ever had in his career. In 2007 at 68.9%, that was his highest pass rating and that was an outlier if you compare to some of the other seasons. He had not he had in 19 years, he had 16 of those years with a top 10 defense. When Brady got injured in 2008, Matt Castle led that team to an 11-5 and season, and Matt Castle went 25-41 and for the rest of his career. In 2016, when Brady was suspended, Brissett and Garoppolo led that team to a 3-1 and record. Tom Brady's stats in the playoffs have not been great. Tom Brady's stats overall have not been great. He's been carried to the position that he's in. He's an all-time great, and he's a legend for get, finding ways to win games, but he is not... I've heard people talking about him as the greatest athlete of all time. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is a team sport, and he's been carried by great defenses throughout his career. Okay, so I'll refute a couple points because I, there's lots of holes to dig in. But um, first off, I don't know who called him the best athlete of all time. I don't think anyone's said that. I definitely don't think that. I don't think anyone thinks that. I mean, come on. Have you seen him run? I think I mean more like from a from a sports perspective, like greatest contender of all time, maybe have been the better word. Greatest. I mean, um, yeah. Okay. Fine. But okay, let's look at the completion percentage. Right. You're 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 holding your hat on the fifty five percent. The big plays this year have been huge for the Buccaneers. I mean, it's been unbelievable. You know, how about the Scotty Miller bomb at the end of the first half? He's been taking more chances this year. It's part of the Bruce Arians offense. It was, it, you know, he was struggling at the start of the year for the first five, six games as he was learning the system without, um, you know, exhibitions. And he's found his stride. He's found his stride with Godwin, with Mike Evans and Scotty Miller and Johnson. So, again, I, I, these numbers don't necessarily tell the full story. The other thing is, you know, the Matt Castle thing, kudos to Belichick for that year. But let's talk about the present. Okay, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots last year, 11-5. and five. 
Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 7-9 and nine with Jameis Winston, who we'll touch on later. This year, Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. The records switch. Now it's Tampa Bay 11-5 and five, and New England 7-9 and nine missing the playoffs. You're telling me with Cam Newton you couldn't go 500? I mean, I thought you were an all-time great coach, Belichick. To me, it's, it's, you know, it's obvious that Tom Brady's the best quarterback to ever play. I don't think anyone said he was the best athlete, and the numbers don't necessarily tell the full story. Well, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some slack for that athlete comment. I, I really did mean that I've heard a lot of people saying that he's like the greatest, um, I don't know the right word to use, like a sportsman of all time in any sport. He is the, the GOAT of, of all sports, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, okay. uh, well, those people are silly. That doesn't even make sense because well, every sport's different. Josh Allen had a better playoffs than Tom Brady did this season. If you put Tom Brady on the Bills – and with that team they had and the games they played, they don't get to where they're, where they're where they were. There's a lot of teams that you could do the same thing. Tom Brady was gifted wins. Who did he beat? The Washington football team. Wow, I'm very impressed. Um, Drew Brees gave him a win, and the Packers gave him a win. Once again, I can't give Tom Brady credit this season. And honestly, let's move on because I don't want to sound like the biggest hater of all time, and we definitely got to get things progressing here, but... I just needed to make that point. Um, I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady. As much as it might not sound like I do, I'm not just a bitter Buffalo Bills fan. But to say that he hasn't had a lot of advantages, and I don't think any athlete has ever come close to having the amount of advantages that he's had. That's all my point was. Let's move on to this Buffalo Bills game now. I've got quite a bit to say about this game. Obviously, it's it's quite a personal one for me. So um, why don't you get started with this one? To me, it all, it all came down to Mahomes' health. If he was healthy, I didn't see this one, um, you know, breaking in the Bills' favor. If he was injured, I saw there was a shot. Now, the Bills have gone on a fantastic run. Josh Allen's played great. That connection with Stephon Diggs has been second to none throughout the league. But... Mahomes is, is a different animal. Kelsey's a different animal. Tyreek Hill's a different animal. At the end of the day, the only way the Bills were going to win, in my eyes, which is why I took the Chiefs and went 2-0 this weekend, was if every break went right for them. And to start the game, it looked like it. I mean, they got the field goal. Then the miffed punt um, by the Chiefs set up an easy touchdown. They were up 9 nothing before you knew it. Um, the problem was... After that um, sequence, they couldn't get anything going on offense. The O-line was struggling. Josh Allen was sacked. And when he got sacked, they were huge losses. And he needed a bigger lead um, to, to, you know, push Mahomes uh, into some discomfort. So at the end of the day, I had a feeling the Chiefs would pull it out. I didn't know it would be this emphatic, but I think the future is bright in Buffalo. They'll be back. I mean, I think you, you've you got, like, almost everything right there. Um, to me, it comes down to there being levels to this, and the Chiefs are a dynasty in the making. They might already be at that point right now. Um, it's tough. It's tough for me. Um, you could definitely say I may have bet with my heart too much. I did have a really good feeling, and I may have been clouded. The Bills did not 
the Bills offense didn't look the same in the playoffs as it did for most of the regular season, speaking from an honest standpoint. Um, like you said, the game started perfect for the Bills. A 9-0 start, and you you make Kansas City punt on their first possession, and then your next possession, you're, you're punting, and you get a an amazingly lucky once-in-a-season punt recovery for a touchdown play. From then on, you have to keep your foot on the gas. Like, to me, you couldn't have started this game better. But I said before, the Bills would not win this game with their defense. There was no way that the Buffalo defense was going to go out there and hold Patrick Mahomes to under 20, even under 30 points. Doesn't happen. The offense couldn't get it done versus the secondary. And I have to put the blame on Josh Allen here. I mean... He just looked out of sorts. Uh, Stefan Diggs was invisible. And when you're not getting Stefan Diggs and he passes or he's not open, that's a big recipe for disaster. He's been a major cause for the success. My biggest thing here is third downs. So throughout this playoffs, the Bills were not completing third downs like they did in the regular season. Versus the Colts, they went two for nine on third downs. Versus the Ravens, they went four for 13. And versus the Chiefs, they went five for 14. So that's 22%, 31%, and 36%. In the regular season, the Bills only fell below 40% once in 16 games on third downs. Um, Mahomes absolutely destroyed this defense. Like, I, I can't say enough about this guy. The fact that people are comparing Josh Allen to him now is, um, it's almost laughable. I mean... And I was one of these people. So I, I remember seeing a graphic before the game started that the Bills had the edge at quarterback. Even back then, I thought it was a bit rich. And now you can't even, like, 76% completion, three touchdowns. I mean, he tore this defense apart. Josh Allen had some decent moments. but And, and let's talk about the play calling again. Like, I don't know how frustrated this got me. I mean, you're on fourth and goal at the two-yard line. You're down 21 to 9. You're talking about a team that has been fantastic in the red zone consistently. Josh Allen has been amazing in the red zone. Okay. And you're going to kick a field goal down 21 to 9 against a team that you're already having trouble scoring points on that you know is going to probably double up that score they put up on you in the second half. They're receiving the ball. In the second half, you cannot under any circumstances kick a field goal there to end the half. And then again, in the third quarter, you're on the eight yard line at fourth and three and you're kicking another field goal. Those are two possessions that you potentially get touchdowns from. And that completely could have changed the game and kept them in it. You cannot play progressive versus this Chiefs team. You cannot play progressive in a conference championship. It's the same thing I said about the Packers. What are your thoughts on those plays? I'm with you 100%. I mean, this is the playoffs. You know, put the ball in the hands of your superstars and give them a chance to win. I don't care about the analytics. Again, like, you you know me. I, I like the numbers. Yeah. I think they're important. But at the end of the day, it's about eye test. It's about momentum. What's the signal you're sending to the guys on your bench when you're settling for points? It's not a good signal as someone who's played sports my whole life in competitive in, in, in many instances. So you, you missed opportunities by both teams. It's not going to win every time. You're not going to look like a fool every time you take points. Maybe sometimes, you know, you go for it and miss. But I, I think it was a re, it's a really bad signal 
to send to your team. A hundred percent. And you could definitely see that Allen wanted both those plays. What quarterback wouldn't? Um, a couple other things from this game. I mean, the Bills just allowing too many big plays all season. And, and like the Chiefs' first TD drive, they had six plays of, of plus nine yards. And you follow that up with a 50-yard rush for, from Hardman. And Tyreek Hill, I, I can't get started on the, what this guy did to that defense. His speed is unbelievable, by the way. Like 71-yard and 33-yard catch and runs. I mean... Tight end also was a big um, – that was a big miss for me in this prediction. Uh, a stat that I missed was that in 2020, no team allowed more tight end catch than the Bills at 92. Um, so Kelsey obviously ripped right through them. I mean, I think Kelsey had uh, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 172 yards. They rushed for 114 yards combined. This Bills offensive line is a problem. We knew they couldn't stop the run all year, and now it seems like they can't stop the blitz either. So um, some thoughts for next season for the Bills. I think we really need a running back. The run game couldn't get it done once again. I love Najee Harris from Alabama, and Mel Kuyper Jr. actually predicted him to go to us in the latest mock draft. I would love to get him. If you need to trade up a couple spots to get him, I think you do it. We need offensive linemen as well. And that's got to be the biggest thing for us, a running back and some O linemen. And I think we're set. Uh, I'd love to get a tall receiver that can make big catches, but, but now like with the salary cap dropping, I think I'm, I'm asking for a little too much there and you got to pay Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen needs to get paid. Not a lot of quarterbacks like him. Um, that's that's all I can say. Pay pay the man, <laughs> pay the man big. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. They they need old linemen, and um, you know we'll we'll see the Bills in, in in big games in the future. So I wouldn't worry. Let's hope so. Um, okay, so before we get into the Super Bowl, I just want to get into some some talks about some teams for next season and actually Deshaun Watson. Why don't we start with him? So Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade. And besides uh, Houston coming out today and saying that they actually have no interest in trading him, I think that's what they have to say. What else are they going to say in that position? What do you think some of the best landing spots for him would be this season? To me, I like the Colts because I think the Colts are actually a pretty solid team. Um, I think that they, you know, what, what can put them over the top is someone with a bit of flash, someone who can make big plays, someone who can make electric plays uh, to, to turn the tide in a game. And that's what um, Deshaun does. So I think the Colts are a complete team where if they can bring him in somehow, it would be a great fit. Um, you know, Miami's been punted around. Interesting spot for me, though. I, I think Tua get gets to have one more year of development. You know, he, he had a rough end to the year, and we can talk about his you know pass completion percentage. Maybe not telling the full story with him, but I think he deserves another year um, to get acclimatized to the Miami offense. And um, I think the Colts remains the number one spot. Patriots have been thrown around, but to me, it's the Colts. Um, and we'll have to see where he lands. 
I totally agree with you about Tua. I mean, you could just look at Josh Allen, like look at what they said about him after year one and even year two based on his completion percentage compared to what he did this year. I think you got to get him some weapons. Like, I don't think the Miami Dolphins have many weapons. So I think that needs to be their, their goal for the offseason. Speaking on Deshaun Watson, I mean, there's a lot of options here. I do. I, I didn't actually think the Colts. Think about the Colts. That is a That would be a great spot. I got a couple here. For me, the New York Jets makes a lot of sense. I mean, they've got so many picks. And I don't think Sam Darnold is their guy. I'm not sold on him whatsoever. I don't think they are. And I think Watson has expressed that he would love to to go there. So for me, that's going to be difficult, though, because you're going to have to trade likely. I mean, they're talking about up to four first-round picks to get Sam Darnold. And this is the thing for me. If I'm Houston and my, I have a quarterback that doesn't want to be here, why not take that? There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. You could get a guy like Justin Fields. What's wrong with that? I, I totally love that. I mean, and you're getting extra first round picks. You beef up your team. For me, it makes a lot of sense for them to trade him. And I get Deshaun Watson is a generational quarterback based on how he looks now. But like I said, you can win in other ways. Like we've seen teams with mediocre quarterbacks get to the Super Bowl. And we've seen a mediocre quarterback in Tom Brady win the Super Bowl consistently. Just had to throw that one in. Just messing around a little bit on that one. But um, the Dolphins also make some sense to me. I mean, they have Tua. And it seems like they would be interested in trading him. You're probably looking at Tua, the first, the third overall pick, the 18th overall, and the second round pick. For me, this is a massive trade. And if I'm Houston, I'm 100% accepting this. You're getting a guy in Tua with so much potential. You're getting two first round picks in the top 20. And possibly a couple second round picks to me that makes the most sense the Patriots is a little far-fetched for me they do have the picks to do this but let's be real here when have you ever known Bill Belichick to give up a boatload of assets to gain a certain player I don't think that's how he operates and I, I just don't see that happening um, I think he he would rather draft someone or or get a scrappier guy and try to build him up with the team So let's get into some teams for next season and our projections. I know you had a, a lot to say about the Saints. They're going to be in quite a bit of cap trouble. So um, what are your thoughts on them for next year? The Saints for the last couple of years have been absolutely all in on trying to get to the Super Bowl, and it hasn't worked out. And the chickens have come home to roost in more ways than one. The Saints lost their quarterback's coach to the Lions, Dan Campbell. They've lost uh, – you know, other coaches going to other assistant and uh, supporting roles throughout the league. And that's not to mention that they're $97 million over the expected cap hit for next year. So there's going to be a lot of changes. Drew Brees is retiring. They have a vacancy at the quarterback spot. How I think they can surprise the league is by cutting a lot of their players building up through the draft, which I know Sean Payton does not love to do, but he might have to do this year, and then getting back to full strength. First thing, first, uh, in terms of the cap, Drew Brees, he'll be gone. That'll save you some cash, um, about 12 to $13 million this year off the cap. Other cap casualties, Quan Alexander, who the Saints picked up 
as a uh, you know trade deadline acquisition for their run, he will not be coming back. Thirteen point four million of cap room can be gained by releasing him. Uh, he was injured at the end of the year, and I, I can't expect him to come back. Jared Cook will be released. We know Jared Cook after that brutal fumble that basically changed the momentum of that Bucks Saints divisional game. Janoris Jenkins is on the trading block, no doubt about it. $11.2 million in salary there. And then the other easy casualty is Nick Easton. I mean, he was a backup on the O-line. 6.875 cap number is just too much. If he leaves, that would save you about $6 million. So from there, the Saints are still several dozen million over the cap. I mean, other other potential casualties include Malcolm Brown, maybe even Emmanuel Sanders. And there's been some wild and, in my opinion, ridiculous rumors about trading Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. That's not going to happen. But you can see other supporting role players being cut and the Saints bringing in draft players. Thomas Morstead, who's been the punter there, him and Brees were the last two on the Saints Super Bowl win. Um, he, you know, he, he's making over uh, $2.8 million. It's expected he'll be cut. They're cutting in every single which way direction. Not to mention Trey Hendrickson, their star defensive end, is a free agent. It's going to be really tough to bring him back um, through cap restructuring and contract restructuring. They may be able to get him on a deal, but Right now, it is tough in Saints' world. I think they'll be able to make the, the things they need to happen happen, but there's no point uh, in, in sugarcoating it. They're in trouble. In terms of the quarterback position, for me, it's clear. Jameis Winston's the guy. He came in against Tampa Bay, threw a beautiful pass to Traquan Smith. Um, he had some game action earlier in the year in the second half when Brees was hurt against uh, San Fran. I think you can bring him in at under $10 million, keep his cap hit low. He has He's had a year to read the playbook. A lot of those interceptions he threw in Tampa weren't necessarily his fault. Taysom Hill had four games. He looked all right. He, you know, he looked like he had some bright spots. But at this point, you know, Jameis is, is a bit more of a proven commodity and is also a few years younger. To me, the choice is clear. Jameis Winston, if you can get him on a one-year deal under $10 million, it's a no-brainer. I think the Saints are going to surprise people. You know, they're going to have to cut a lot of strong role players. They're going to have to hope for contributions from their draft players. But I think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, the manager, have, have been have been doing this for years. So I'm not worried. I think they'll be right in the playoff hunt. Yeah, it's definitely tough to bet against a guy like Sean Payton. I mean, we've seen him work his way out of bad situations for quite some time. And he is one of the best coaches in the league, but it's hard to look at these contracts without, you know, I get they were going for a Super Bowl, but some of these contracts that you're mentioning on this roster don't make much sense to me. Like this Taysom Hill cap, I believe is $16 million for a backup quarterback. That never made much sense to me at all. Um, he clearly doesn't have the full skill set to be an everyday starter. I think that's been proven. I love Jameis Winston and, you know, I'm totally sold on him and I'm totally going to agree with you on that point. 
So let's hope they can figure this out. Do you see an opportunity where they could trade Taysom Hill or do you think that cap hit is just too large in this, in this current salary situation for any team to bite on it? You know, I don't think any team's going to bite on it. Um, he's just not proven enough. He only played in four games. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are available. We haven't even talked about Matt Stafford. Um, so, I, you know, it'd be nice, but I don't see it happening. Let's hope they can figure it out without having to give away any of the big names, like you mentioned, um, like Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. That would be pretty detrimental to their chances. Um Next up, let's talk about Miami. Um, as I mentioned before, I think the biggest thing for Miami is if they do want to go all in on Deshaun Watson, I totally get it. But I don't know if it's absolutely necessary for them. I like that deal more for Houston. I mean, you've got to support your quarterback. Tua is young, and we've seen what he did in college. Um, I know he was coming off an injury, and he didn't look amazing. But look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen had similar completion percentage in his first season. You've got to give this guy some weapons. Like, let's get some, let's get an explosive receiver. I would love for Miami to draft Devontae Smith with that seventh pick. If they can't get Devontae Smith, you've got Jamar Chase right there. That has to be their goal. You've got a high draft pick. You need to give him a wide receiver. You saw what Stephon Diggs has done for Josh Allen. And I think a similar player or even a, just a top young receiver could do the same. They could develop a connection. And it would be huge for the Dolphins. Dolphins need a running back. 100% Dolphins need a running back. And they need a pass rusher. And I want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick back. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a, such an underrated quarterback throughout his career. This guy's a legend. I mean, as a backup, he's probably the best backup you could get in the, in the whole NFL. Like, let's get Fitzpatrick locked in. You know, you've got some question marks about Tua's health. And Fitzpatrick could fit in. He can come in and win some games for you. If you have injury trouble or he's just not playing the best, Fitz is a great safety net. So those are my keys for Miami. What are your thoughts? I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, the, the, the thing for me is, will Fitzpatrick want to do that? I mean, it was clear that he wasn't happy. After starting out hot, they gave the keys to Tua. Um, midway through the year, I don't know if he'll bite on that. I think he he believes that he is a good enough quarterback to deserve a starting shot on a good chunk of teams in this league. So that that to me is the question mark, but I'm with you. I mean, they need a running back. I think their defense is solid. I think that, you know, to take that next step, um, they didn't even make the playoffs this year despite the strong record, but, you know, to, to take that next step, their offense needs to be a little more dynamic. Um, and Fitzpatrick, or as I like to call him, Fitzmagic, you know, is is definitely possible. I don't think you can be a legit contender just relying on him. Um, and Tua, we don't know yet. So running back would be very helpful for them. Yeah, and let's remember, this is going to be a really tough division in the years to come. Like, the Buffalo Bills are for real, and they're going to be around. And I don't expect the Patriots to to settle for mediocrity for much longer. I'm pretty big on them to, to have a bounce back, if not this season, then the year after. This could be one of the most competitive divisions in the whole NFL really soon. So they're going to need to build up a roster if they want to compete. Um Besides that, uh, I know you want to talk a bit about the Jaguars. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Jaguars? 
I think the Jaguars are, are prime for a really big turnaround. Okay, they've cleaned house. You know, Doug Marone's gone. They're going to get uh, Lawrence and, and with the first overall pick in the draft. They have a boatload of cap space. They brought in Urban Meyer, who I think is a good coach. He's one of the top college coaches, in my opinion. I see the Jaguars really surprising a lot of people. You bring in Lawrence. I think in free agency, they're going to look to add uh, some weapons around him. DJ Chark is, you know, their top receiver, and I think he's pretty good. I think they have a decent receiving core. I see them bringing in someone like Jonu Smith from the Titans or Eric Ebron uh, as well from from the Steelers, Uh, just kind of to round out that core. I think they have space to go after uh, the aforementioned Trey Hendrickson. Those uh, those that was, that was on the Saints. I mean, if the Saints can't re-sign him, you have a team like Jacksonville who might want to pick up uh, Hendrickson or at least make a play on every big free agent available with over $100 million in cap space. I think the Jaguars, they're a small market team. They've been a losing team for a while, other than that one year where they, where they made a surprise run uh, to the conference championships. I think they're prime for a, for a bounce back year. Um, and it'll be an interesting story to watch. I totally agree with you um, in some aspects. I don't know if they're prime for a bounce back year in year one. I think it's more of a project that takes a couple of years, but I think you hit the nail on the head with Eric Ebron. This team definitely needs a tight end and Trevor Lawrence is the call. I know a lot of people like to say what they wanted to say about Justin Fields. I'm big on Justin Fields. I want the Jets to grab Justin Fields at that third spot, but let's talk about um, their offensive line. I think that's the main thing for me here. Trevor Lawrence is a given. You have the first pick. If you want Trevor Lawrence, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, but you got to protect him. This is one of the worst teams at protecting their quarterback. And I think we all know that bringing a rookie into a situation with a bad pass protection is a recipe for disaster. So if you really want to invest and you want, and Trevor Lawrence is your guy, you want to build a team around him. Offensive line has to be number one before receivers, before tight end, before anything else, you need to protect your quarterback. And that's what's going to get them to turn things around. So they need to either draft some offensive tackles, they need to sign. They're going to be in a good position here with the cap, I believe, compared to some of these other teams. Like the cap drop is really going to hurt a lot of teams, but they should be in position to grab some pieces for sure. Absolutely. I agree with your point on the O-line. You know, we'll we'll see what happens, but I could easily see them upgrading two or three of the O-line slots uh, in free agency. Okay, so let's get into the Super Bowl. This is what everyone has been waiting for. Um, should be an exciting game. It's not what I expected at all, obviously. It is the Chiefs taking on the Buccaneers. The line has opened up with at three and a half. It's actually shifted down to minus three. The Chiefs are favored, of course. The over is 56 and a half. Um, what are your thoughts? I can't wait for this game. It's going to be fantastic. I'm excited to see that fans are going to be in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Florida has very, very minimal amount of restrictions. Um, we can debate that on another day. But the point is <laughs> that there's going to be a ton of fans there. 
It's going to be an electric atmosphere. And I think it's going to lead to a very slow start scoring-wise for the Chiefs. I think the Buccaneers are going to get out. If they get the ball first and score, that place is going to be rocking. And, you know, you, not many teams have played with a lot of fans. I mean, granted, there's been a majority of the stadiums have had a few thousand, but this is not going to be like a home Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with, you know, 20,000 plus fans. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to struggle early. I think the Bucs will get out to a bit of a lead at halftime. However, that said, Mahomes, he is just out of this world. Tom Brady has the winning intangibles, but I think Mahomes does too. I mean, he's been fantastic in his three years in the league, uh, or his four years in the league thus far. I think the Chiefs are going to win by five. They will cover the spread 30-24 to 24 for the Chiefs. Mahomes will put on a stunner in the fourth quarter and bring the Chiefs back from behind. So it might surprise you a little bit, but I actually did take some time to mull over this pick. I really did consider thinking and taking the Bucks here. Um, their O-line is pretty battered. Eric Fisher, who's a huge piece for this team, is out, as well as Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley. So they're going to be pretty weak on that O-line, and that's cause for concern because we saw last week that – this Bucks team can hit the quarterback and any, I don't care who you are. If you're getting hit, you're going to be in trouble. Any quarterback is not going to do well against uh, a powerful pass rush and a weak offensive line. So that was my one thing here. And that's the one spot that I think that the Buccaneers really do have a chance here. However, if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl with a 55% completion rating and a pass rating under 75 again i might lose my freaking mind more than ever before i mean this has to be the chiefs it this has to be the chiefs i i was so big on the packers and they upset me before so i can't count the bucks out um let's talk about some numbers here the bucks are the first team to play at home for the super bowl which as you mentioned could be a really big advantage we got 69 percent of the public taking the chiefs here 75 percent are on the over the Chiefs are 9-4-1 in their last 14 games after a win. The Chiefs are 2-8 against the spread in their last 10 overall. Bucks are 4-0 in their last four as an underdog. And the over is 5-2 in the last seven Bucks games after scoring over 30. As I mentioned, this Chiefs O-line is very injured and it's cause for concern. But as you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes has the winning intangible and he has a skill set greater than Brady has ever had in his career. Patrick Mahomes will go down as the greatest quarterback in NFL history by far. I think he will go to, I don't know. I can't, it's hard to put a number on how many Super Bowls he'll go to, but there's too much confidence on that team right now. And the, the, the Bucks defense ranked 21st against the pass is not going to be able to stop. We saw it with the bills last week. This Chiefs offense is going to tear through this defense. I don't think this game is going to be close. And I might be biting myself again after last week's call, but I don't think I, I'm calling a, I'm taking an alternate spread. Chiefs minus six and a half at plus 125. That is the call here. Don't think Brady can keep up in a shootout. And this Chiefs defense 
don't count them out. They are very underrated. We saw what they did to Buffalo. They are going to force Brady to make some mistakes, and he is not going to get away with multiple interceptions again in this game. Chiefs minus six and a half is the play. I have the score at somewhere around 42 to 32. I could see it even being a 10-point game. I'm going to call it 42 to 32, but I'm going to take the game at six and a half, not nine and a half. Um, besides that, I got some props here that I really like that I'm going to bring up. So I'm really big on Tyree Kill over 90.5 pass uh, receiving yards at minus 120. Kelsey over 97.5 receiving yards at minus, at minus 120. Gronk over 26.5 receiving yards at minus 120. Mahomes over 2.5 touchdowns at minus 130. Gronk to score a touchdown every time. This is my value pick here, plus 160. I think Tom and Gronk have that connection. I think they will connect at least once in the end zone. Patrick Mahomes over 335.5 passing yards is another easy one for me. That's minus 120. The reason I'm big on Gronk this week is because last week we saw Dawson Knox, who is not one of the better tight ends in the league, actually have some success, score a touchdown with 42 receiving yards against the Chiefs defense. So that's a big eye-opener for me, and I think Gronk will have some success against this team. What are your thoughts on the props? I love that that Gronk prop bet. I'm with you. Um, when the going gets tough, Brady will revert back to the guys he trusts the most, and Gronk is definitely one of those top guys. I mean, listen, he's not the same. He's, you know, Gronkenstein at this point. Um, he doesn't move well. He looks like a robot. But he is able to get just enough space, and he still has just enough strength to be able to pull balls down out of the air. I, I'm with you. He's going to be over on both, and, and I think he'll also get in, into the end zone. Um, a big over for me as well is Tom Brady one. passing yards. It's at 302 and a half. I mean, in my mind, this is a shootout. And both teams don't really have a run game. The Chiefs, have, like, literally have no run game. The, the Tampa Bay uh, run game is suspect. They don't really trust it. They don't stick to it. Um, and it's okay, right? Ronald Jones is a pretty good running back, but they don't commit to it. I think this has a potential to get into a shootout. Um, and I think... Again, the big play on home field in a Super Bowl is going to just shift momentum. And you know Bruce Arians loves Tom Brady with the big play. They've been doing it now all year, and it's finally been cooking up after about week six. So I, I see Brady over 302 and a half just because of that. Um, in terms of receiving yards, I really like uh, – uh, Tyree Kill over 90.5. I think he's going to be used extensively in this game. I think the Bucks secondary is, is not quite as strong as their front four or front five getting to the quarterback. And Tyree Kill can create separation so quickly. It doesn't take long for Mahomes to get it out of his hand. So I could see Tyree Kill running wild on the Bucks secondary. For the uh, Buccaneers, I'm going to go under on Mike Evans, 61 and a half. I think, wow. yeah, I, I, I just, I don't see him playing a factor. I think he's been beat up all year. He hasn't looked as dynamic as he did at the start of the year. Um, I, I think Tom Brady's going to look 
to Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin uh, to make big plays at key times. I, I, I'm going under on Mike Evans. I do like that pick now that I think about it, especially after we saw what the Chiefs defense um, did to Stefan Diggs last week. It was yeah. practically invisible. So that is a good pick. He did finish with 77 yards, but if you watch the game, you know most of those came in garbage time and, and weren't, weren't really worth much. Um, yeah, uh, this over is a tough one for me. I don't think I'm going to touch it. Uh, 56 and a half. If it's going to be a shootout, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know if Tom Brady can can keep up. I also don't like the over on passing yards for him. I, I, I'm i not sold on him. Like I said, 280 passing yards last game, only 199 against the Saints. I honestly think this might be a blowout, and I can't take the – I can't count the bucks out too much. As I said, after last week, I need to hold in my words, but I am taking the chiefs at six and a half very confidently can't pass up on plus plus one twenty-five. I think the chiefs win this handedly and I am not touching the over under because I don't know if um, Tampa is going to score enough points for us to hit that number. I agree. I think that, you know, I said 30 to 24, it's going to be right around that number. Um, it's likely they, they beat it, but um, I, I don't think there'll be much more. Um, I could see a shootout, but again, you know, a shootout could be 33-27, right? And you're at 60. So it's it's within the margin of error for me. Okay, well, thanks again for coming on. Like I said, we love having you. We'll have you back on next week. Uh, I mean, after the Super Bowl, so I guess it would be two weeks. Really excited for this game. Unfortunately, we're not getting a Pro Bowl this weekend. Um, hopefully, we both hit. It's going to be close. I'm going to be really upset if uh, the Chiefs win by four and you've got more bragging rights over me. So let's <laughs> let's hope they get the seven-point win. Uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. Big thanks again to Nicola for joining us this week. We've loved having him on every week to record these NFL podcasts. His analysis and insight has been fantastic. We hope to have him back on soon. And don't forget, we will have one more NFL podcast, the Super Bowl Recap Podcast. After that, might be some time to re-record similar content, but the draft will be coming sooner than later. So we'll definitely do some shows regarding that. And look out for Nicola to join us for lots of other content we'll be making. Once again, want to shout out the man who makes our music, AFC. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at, at AFC.T21. He uploads new music every week. Lots of great stuff on his page. And obviously, don't forget to follow us at ATS Fanatics. Daily picks in all the major sports. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.